Arise! Arise, riders of Theoden! Spears shall be shaken! Shields shall be splintered! A sword day! A red day! And the sun rises! We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Yeah, this movie definitely did take its cinematic Viagra. Pippin, leave it alone. Yeah, but Sam had some... He had some tail to chase. Well, just have Gollum bite it off. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. The leg pain. Did you say leg pain? The leg pain. Oh, is that the thing that... Cinderin, uh, Cinderin for greater good. Yeah, that's right. Good. I'm glad you, you caught that thank on Twitter. You, thank you, Green Shirt po- uh, Podcast, uh, for uh, for submitting that to us. Yeah, um, that was Cameron. Yeah, yeah, I have the leg pain, yeah. <laughs> so it, it hurts in the left one a lot. <laughs> oh, please do more of that. That was great. But that is because I sit on the toilet too long, I think. You get, you get the tingly thing. You get a blood clot. You'll die. Yeah. She get a squatty potty. My my son got a squatty potty for Christmas. My son. Yeah, it's a squatty potty. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool because his uncle used his cricket and cut out a bunch of Mandalorian stickers and put it all over it. Yeah, I oh, wondered nice. how people kind of church up their squatty potties. Because you walk into someone's bathroom that you don't know, and you see one, you kind of get freaked out. <laughs> no, yeah. especially if you don't have one in your own house. Yeah, yeah, and this one yeah. literally does say, "This is the way." Oh, lovely! Nice. Okay, they win. That, <laughs> that's a winner. <laughs> that's right my brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Hey, that was a voice. They, Who was that? They um, always scare me because I. There was one time I was at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, and I was trying to get into the bathroom, and the door was kind of stuck. Well, I thought it was stuck, but apparently it was locked, but not locked quite enough. So when I forced open the door. There was a uh, a worker squatting on the the potty with his feet on the um on the bowl itself. Oh, stirrups. So I was like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. So <laughs> then I then I left. Okay. <laughs> and in shame. I mean, the fact that you forced open the door of the bathroom. That, that, that wasn't that wasn't a red flag. That should have been. I swear, it, it felt like it should have opened. Well, there's there's also a little bit of onus on the guy too. When you tried the door, he should have been like, "Hey, there's someone in here," because it's not <laughs> like you can look under and see his feet dangling, which they clearly weren't. This is a weird place for to go at the start of this episode. My gosh. <laughs> I hadn't even introed what movie we're doing or anything like that. Uh, this is good as any. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is great. This is episode 383. And tonight by Squatty Potty. <laughs> yeah. This episode is part and brought to you in part by Squatty Potty. Uh this is the way. No, that's not right. Tonight we're talking about Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King. That's right, gentlemen. We have made it to the finale. It is time to toss the ring into the fires of Mount Doom and do that thing. I am Sean Allred, excuse me, and joining me tonight is Andrew. Never insult a man with nothing to lose and a dagger, Jimison. Hi. 
Hi. How's it going? It's good. That 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 <laughs> reference only makes sense if you watch the extended cut. So Yeah. True. Yeah, we'll get into that. We will. Yeah. I, it's part of my five word review. Oh, really? Green oh, but I'll save it. Okay. I'm teasing it so you'll come back and listen later. Is that <laughs> yeah. Are we worried that people are gonna get to seven minutes into our episode and decide to turn it off? You're oh, yeah. not worried about that? Well, if you want to hear Andrew's answer, <laughs> skip to three hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. Hey, if they, Around if, the 22nd mark of that tick. Hey, f- five uh, minutes or, or two hours, a download's a download. I'm just teasing. Of course, I want everybody to listen to the whole thing. Sam. Yes. Tolkien invented teleconferencing 100 years ago with the Palantir Vector. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Can I can I set you on fire now? <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. All right. Why not? I'm going to set you on fire. And then I'm going to run. You know, I I would not feel bad about Just setting me that. on fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're alive or dead, <laughs> but either way, I'll set you on fire. Well, if I if you do set me on fire, I'm going to make sure I run 400 yards away and jump off in the most dramatic fashion possible. Like <laughs> he would have died long before he reached that thing. I'm oh, just, gosh, yeah. I'm just saying. But it was a cool shot, so that's fine. <laughs> and making his return, the return of the guest uh, to the podcast <laughs> is is Travis. Hey, what's on the dinner menu? More grilled elephant? Okay. From the Wait You Haven't Seen podcast. Well, uh, grilled elephant and, uh, and small cherry tomatoes that I'm going to only bite in half and then let half of it dribble down my chin. Sure. <laughs> the man, he must have had teeth problems. Did he had to? Is this the only know. reason that you, no. you would dribble? No, no, he just he forgot to take his Invisalign out. <laughs> ah, that's what it is. Yes, yeah. that would do it. That would do it. Yeah, he could feel what he was biting into. Yeah, could have you ever been more? I wouldn't say disgusted, but like, I mean, as far as a meal scene where someone's eating, it was the most aggressive and offensive and just like the worst ever you know i have yeah. i have seen i have seen I've, movies where a, a scene of somebody eating is more disturbing than that but but not many and usually it's because they're like you know they're eating frank or something like they're not just yeah. eating a tomato yeah and some chicken yeah like that I, one I, where the I, oh sorry go ahead i'll say i honestly think that scene won this 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 movie the oscar Oh, I honestly think yeah. that's the scene that did it, that put it over the top. With uh, Pippin singing the song that he made up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he did. Yep. Like, like he, like they had a, they found the the words from the a story from the Lord of the Rings story, but he just made up the tune on the spot. They just because, uh, and that came about because they went to sing karaoke, and a producer was like, "Hey, you can actually sing. We're gonna make you sing on camera." There's <laughs> there's some neat trivia in this about this again. These story, yeah. these movies have lots and lots of trivia, but, but yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, we'll sure, of course we will. Some, but yeah, all I could it. think about is like there's like six dead elephants <laughs> that are the size of I don't know, very large things out there. You gotta do something with all that meat. Might as well eat it. Yeah. Don't, you better preserve it too, right? Yeah, you gotta, that whole thing. Well, there's a lot it's of pronounced, ones. It's pronounced Oliphant. I know. I keep saying it wrong. It's Oliphant. Oliphant <laughs> jerky. Oliphant. Yeah. yeah. Get your olifant jerky, olifant steaks. I feel like I'm talking. So when when cutting one of those things up, 
Yeah. Do you do you slice from one end to the other? Do you oh. empty the cavity? Because you, you know when you butcher something, you got to empty the cavity. So I guess you got to get into the cavern of the the body to pull out the stuff, and then I, it just makes me wonder if you you know do you take a giant like tree saw and and <laughs> chop it into giant you know ribs and know. and all that so it, I, one would think that that it would take a while to to really butcher one of those things yeah i think you're just carving pieces off of it i don't think you're that it takes a bandsaw to get through a pig carcass they they don't yeah. have a a bandsaw the size of like i don't know the rock of gibraltar to get you think through those you think they'll be like whales where they just let, leave them be right Probably. they just you know I, I 20 years from now those bones will still be out there I think it's more like the first scene of Frozen, you know, where there's just guys cutting out chunks of ice. It's the same thing. It's just cutting out chunks of ice. All right. Now that we've officially grossed out everyone listening to the show. <laughs> hey, these questions need answers. These right? are... I have not heard a podcast yet. Talk about how the Oliphants would be able to be disposed of I, after this battle. I, I legit think about these types of things, but I'm also weird and, and, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think of these things. I really do. So it's, it's, I mean, it's, do they make little cathedrals like, uh, like pirates had in that one pirates movie where they were in the whale bones when, uh, when Sparrow was, was getting forced married to another one to, to a, to a bride. Could be, could be. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Or, or maybe it's the the basis for the elephant graveyard from Lion King. I don't know. Hey, there you go. Anyway, um, okay, so <laughs> 2003's Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. Let's let's uh, pull up a comfy chair. Let's pull up a chair that was helicoptered into the location and dive into this movie. Yeah. Um, I never knew that. I was so blown away by that piece of trivia that Mark dropped on us last week. Did you know that, Travis? That. John Reese Davies in his contract had a stipulation that he, if he was going to be anywhere on location, he had to have a recliner with him. So like when they're doing these mountain shots, they would literally airlift a recliner for him to sit down. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had room on the, the chopper because Sean Bean wasn't on it. He was too busy hiking up and down the mountain. So well, I was going to say, was it he Sean refused. And, and, yeah. And Vigo, didn't Vigo also hike pretty uh, much? I mean, Vigo did a lot, but Sean Bean refused to ride the helicopter. So he would get up at like five o'clock in the morning and hike up the mountain and meet him up there. And then they'd shoot. And then he would hike back down at the end of the day. What a crazy <laughs> Because man. he didn't want to ride the helicopter. Oh, is it oh because he wasn't trying to stay in character? He was just afraid of hiking. No, he was just afraid to fly in the helicopters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so he's like John so, Madden. Yeah. Because John Madden, did, he never flew everywhere. He, he rode in his, his Madden bus to all the games. Which well, is, yeah, sure, but he just went from stadium to stadium. This guy had to like shoot no, yeah, film yeah. on top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, no, you I know. know what? No, nah, I'm I I would rather wake up at a stupid early time, get into costume, get into makeup, and then walk all the way up this mountain. That that sounds like a better idea to me. I will say that probably kind of pisses off the hair and makeup people because it's not <laughs> like sure. it's not like he got up there and everything was in the same place as it was when he left the trailer. You know, because I remember the Although, one. One of the times yeah, working sure they had on somebody the, fly up there. Oh yeah, they've got, they've got. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember when we were shooting the TV show, it was getting late, and the main actor decided that he wanted to do some push-ups in the middle of the, you know, to try to get his energy back up. And the hair and makeup people had to run back on set because now he's sweating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you're not supposed to be sweating in this scene. Like we get so they, anyway, it's actors. Okay, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I said, 2003 is Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Um, my gosh. So this is a very long movie. Uh, the extended cut is like four and a half hours. The theatrical mm-hmm. cut was three and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, just because tradition dictates for no other reason, Andrew, why don't you tell us what uh, this movie is about? Gandalf and Aragorn lead the world of men against Sauron's army to draw his gaze from Frodo and Sam as they approach Mount Doom with the One Ring. Okay, sure. Talk about yeah. five minutes of a four and a half hour long movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean that pretty much sums it up, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's ultimately what they're trying nailed, to do. nailed all the main points, right? Yeah, all of them, all of the subtleties and the. Uh, <laughs> The politics behind it and stuff. Um, so we mentioned, I think, pre-show. Uh, we all have seen this in the theater and probably multiple times since. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. I uh, I saw this opening night, and then I went back and saw it the next day uh, because a friend of mine couldn't go opening night. And so I was like, nope, you're going to go see this. I'll go back and watch it with you. So I, I saw this twice in the span of 24 hours. Wow. Wow. So, like so half almost half of my 24 hours was spent watching this movie. Yeah, I was going to say, that's nearly <laughs> half a day. I mean, that's a lot of time. That's awesome. Um, uh, I yeah, think, I, I ended up traveling to go see this one. Uh, I believe it was with you guys, with Sean and Corny, uh, went and saw this at, at the IMAX theater uh, in Charlotte. Yeah. And uh, ended up being being in the back right corner against the wall because it was the only three seats available left when we all got there. Yeah. This is back Best before you could half. reserve seats, right? Yeah. Well, and that wow. was also when the, it was the Fathom events was showing the extended cut. So we sat in the theater for the four and a half hours. We didn't, yeah. we did that for the extended cut. And uh, yeah, hmm. that was... That was a long time. I remember because I had to work. I was still working at the at the theme park, and so I'd gotten off a you know a nine hour shift, and then drove straight over there with Cornelius, a uh, former member of the <laughs> podcast, and three of us sat there and <laughs> watched this long ass movie. But Oof. it was cool to see in the theater the extended cut. It yeah. was really cool. Oh yeah, Absolutely. I was kind of hoping you would say that you told your boss you were going to lunch. And <laughs> we're going to watch this movie. <laughs> Four and a half hours later. I'll be back in yeah. five hours. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that's funny. Okay, uh, so maybe that wasn't the first time I saw it. No, it wouldn't have been. There's no way. We okay. we all saw it. I don't know if you were with me um, opening weekend, but I remember seeing it opening weekend. I don't have a cool story like I did last week with our dear friend Andrew and all that stuff. But Yeah. Uh, I'm trying or, to think. you know, I went and saw... I went and saw two towers in Boone and came out and there was an inch and a half of snow on the yeah. ground uh, from when <laughs> I first went in. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I have another Andrew story related to this movie. I don't think I do. So, uh, no Andrew stories tonight, listeners. I know that you you like them, even though almost none of you know who he is. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's not like... I mean, a, well, he did ruin it for your wife. He t- oh, my God. That's the story. That's the story. Thank you, Sam. I will tell this story. My wife and I, uh, I think I have told part of this, right? I guess this will be new to basically Travis. But like Sarah's reading the last book. I mean, she's got less than 100 pages to go. Andrew sees that she's reading the book, and he says, have you gotten to the part where the Eagles rescue Frodo and Sam? 
She slams a book oh. and says, no, but I guess I don't need to now. And she never finished it. She was so pissed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's the thing That's about Andrew. Andrew. He's, he's got tact. Yes, he does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he always knows the right thing to say at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> Again, oh. I, I again, most of our listeners don't know who this guy is. He's a dear, sweet friend. He is the nicest guy you will ever he meet. Nice. But my God, he has no tact and no common sense. But <laughs> we all have that friend. And if you don't, then it's probably you. So we did. We got in trouble at his wedding, or, or at the, his half reception thing, uh, uh, because we all decided to uh, start eating the wedding cake before. It wasn't they the got cake? There. It wasn't the cake. It wasn't the wedding cake. It was um. Oh no, his wedding. Yeah, you're right. It was the cake. Yes. It was the cake. Yeah. <laughs> it was the cake. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough about Andrew. Yeah. Time to get anyway. back into this because, uh, again, most people don't care. Um, so, Sam, why don't you start off with your five word review and we'll run from there? Sure. I've got two tonight. Um, and my first one is uh, movies can't get much bigger. In pretty much every category, movies can't get much bigger. Number of actors, number of uh, minutes in a movie, um, the the story itself, the entire epic nature of it all—you just can't get much bigger than this this film. And Jackson certainly did really did really well uh, ramping it up. Right, you know, we thought we saw it all with Two Towers and uh, the the siege of. Uh, Minas Tirith is just massive and just amazing. Love it. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of leads to my other one is just four words. Greatest story ever shown. Um, and I think this epic conclusion to one of the best stories ever written um, is just a masterclass in, uh, in movie making. Um, and it's, it's everything we want movies to be. We want a big story. We want stakes. We want... To, mm. to care about the characters. We want all these different things. And this movie especially just ended up uh, doing that for us. Uh, to the point where, you know, you only half mind that the last hour and a half of the movie is them saying goodbye to each other. Yeah. Basically. Right? Um, so it, it's just this, the, the crew, the actors, everybody kind of became this big family. And it almost felt like by the end of this movie, you were part of it. And there's not a lot of movies that, that make you feel that way. And, and I just, I enjoy it. I enjoy, again, the, the final installment of what my imagination always thought Lord of the Rings would look like. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, this movie definitely did take its cinematic Viagra. It was a very, <laughs> very <laughs> bulbous uh, film. Yeah, and and going back to what I said before, the the scene of uh, the the horse riders going back into, uh, oh gosh, not Osgiliath, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so. And sad. the the music and just the lack of empathy by uh, Daddy there. Um, good lord! Uh, it's just I, again, I think that's when this movie not only shone the brightest, but really. Um, really amped up what it was and, and why it's a best picture uh, nomination. You know, when you can tell a story without really beating someone over the heads with the narrative, um, you know, I, I think they did a great job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely can't really disagree with any of that. I mean, it's, 
Yeah, cinematic Viagra. That's uh, that's definitely going in the intro. Um, <laughs> thank you for that, Andrew. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, not any of those things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Travis. So, with that. Yeah, Travis. What do you got for your five word review? Uh, so kind of similar. Uh, redefining the term film epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it, it, to this point, to when I saw this in the theater. That moment where they look out over the Pelennor fields and it's, it's just nothing but like this sea of blackness and it's the, those are the orcs. Uh I was just like, I've never seen anything like that in a movie, Mm -hmm. uh, ever. And it just, it went, it went up from there. Like it just kept tacking on more and more. It it was, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced in a, in a film, um, to that point in my life. And really since then I haven't really felt like anything has has reached that same level uh and then uh, you're right it's uh, the storytelling is epic and just everything about it is is just continually ratcheting up it's it's fantastic uh the other one uh, another one i had was just pippin leave it alone (laughs) damn it pippin can't leave anything alone i love i love pippin but just just leave it alone man yeah for god's sake kid come on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, when we were, when we were watching it as a, as a family here too, uh, my daughter kept saying, you know, what's wrong with him? I, what's he doing? And it was, you know, it was, um, him, you know, basically getting obsessed with that stupid eyeball thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but I do like that. He kind of gets some redemption, right? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He, him and Mary both really do. Uh, there's so many great character arcs throughout the the series of movies and this one pays all of that off uh so well and between pippin mary eowyn um what happens with theoden uh and then of course aragorn and uh we'll talk about him probably a lot more but yeah i love i love the the arcs and how everything gets paid off and and it's and it all feels earned too yeah. like nothing feels like it's shoehorned in although Except- Although the, the, I am no man. I hate that. Yeah. I understand why she said it, but I always, it just, it kind of makes me shrink in my seat a little bit like, oh, it's cheesy. Did, did you hate it in the book though? Cause that's, that's a Tolkien line. Oh, I know. I know. But maybe just seeing it, it just didn't come off. Right. It, It sounds weird in our 2022 sensibilities because this is a movie with a lot of dudes. I mean, there's like what? Yeah. <laughs> there's like there's like three women in this whole universe, right? Aowen, um, yeah, uh, Liv Tyler, Aowen, Arwen, and Gladriel. Gladriel, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, I forgot about Gladriel. Okay, there's four women. Um, oh yeah. The, the other one being Rosie. Sam's Sam's wife, Rosie, right? Who doesn't yeah. even have a line, but. Like, well, you've got the mother with the children. There's she a lot a of line. mothers with children, right? But but all they do is cry. <laughs> That's all their job is to do is to be yeah. on screen and cry yeah. and make you feel sympathy towards them, which is which is you know a fine plot device. But again, like you know, no one has a mom, right? The the Boromir and Faramir they don't have a mother. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the king king uh, the, uh, Rohan king. I can't think of names right now. My gosh, why am I doing this? A Theoden, he doesn't have a wife. So like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, this is like the opposite of a Disney movie where 
you know, um, well, usually in Disney movies, they don't have mothers either. Actually, usually it's the same. They only have dads. So I guess it's similar. But no, the line never, it didn't bother me in the book because it's wordplay. But it is kind of neat that that a woman written from a story point in the 1900s, 1910s, teens, mm-hmm. kind of gets to be one of the heroes, which is kind of cool because those stories probably weren't getting written a lot back then. I wouldn't yeah. think. Not really. I mean, no. there was some, but not in that that view, right? That it was yeah. it was always, you know, Guinevere was the 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 fairy tale, right? Where yeah. it, the prince needed to come save and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, but by the way, I, I do just want to clarify real quick because you'll get uh, you'll get people saying the books were published in the fifties, nineteen fifty four. So, but yeah. he, didn't he Tolkien start writing these like in the trenches of World War One? I mean, uh, if you want to, you can say yes, because that's where the idea for The Hobbit gestated. Sure. But he didn't write The Hobbit until – The Hobbit wasn't published until the 30s. Right. Uh, 37, I think. And then then he wrote this after that. But it, So, like, the seeds of it maybe got started then, but then, the, the stories really got fleshed out later on, that, especially this. That actually, to me, is then is more impressive because the 50s feel like it was like the worst time for women. I uh, mean, a know, lot of it is probably. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like it, well, it, it feels like that there was, because in the 19-teens and the 1940s, women at least had a, an integral part in the war effort and other things. It felt like they had more agency than they would, because then it became after that, it was like, go back to the kitchen and be quiet. Kind of a thing. So, <laughs> well, yeah, Tolkien actually wanted to instead of Return of the King, he actually wanted to call this one the Feast of Sausage. But <laughs> he he said, you know, it's probably not going to sell. Yeah, as good as Return. It doesn't of the King. that that one doesn't market as well. So let's, yeah. let's try some. He was yeah. very good at the marketing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andrew's on gosh. it tonight. I like it. Okay. Um. I'm trying to think, how did we get to this point where we're talking about her and the line, but, um, oh, we're talking about story arcs. Some of the other story arcs, I I love the story arcs. Um, I like some of the other characters. Like, so the four hobbits have a lot to do. I mean, they have a lot Mm -hmm, to do and they affect so much change. And I don't know why I didn't pick up on it before this viewing. Cause I've seen these movies all, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine times, whatever. Uh, Mark last week he literally said that he has watched the Two Towers easily, triple digits. Uh, he says that's a movie that he just puts on in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I can, just I can definitely see that. It's just a movie that just runs on on loop all the time, and so. Um, but for some reason, it wasn't until this viewing really where I was like, "Oh my gosh, the Hobbits really do a lot." It always kind of, for whatever reason, it felt like the main story, the A story, was Aragon, Gimli, and. Legolas. They were the primary and then Frodo and Sam were kind of the other primary and then the other two hobbits were just there to get into mischief and to be comic relief. And then for some reason it was like it clicked this time. It's like, no, these guys do stuff. Pippin comes up with the idea to have Treebeard go the other way and therefore shutting down Isengard. Um, It was Gandalf's idea, but Pippin climbs the thing to light the beacons. Which is such a cool scene. It's such a cool scene. Oh, yeah. And of course, my brain does what, Sam? What does my brain think? Uh, what are prices to go see uh, New Zealand? No. My brain thinks, oh. 
How are they manning all this? Who are these poor men that have to stand up there on these mountaintops on the off chance that once in a thousand years the beacons are going to get lit? My my thought this time was, uh, you know, how do they keep the wood dry? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's just covered in oil. <laughs> oh, maybe. That's actually probably pretty accurate. But, like, it's just yeah. two dudes up Remember, there. Remember, he, jo- he dumped oil on the wood right before he lit it. Yeah. Yeah. They have like an oil reserve. Yeah, you're probably, right. Yeah, that's, you're right. That's probably how that went. They need yeah. they needed a uh, an accelerant. Um, <laughs> well, then you got to wonder what's the shift like? What's the rotating shift? Is yeah. it a daily thing? Is it is it like three shifts a day? Twenty four hours a day. Incredible like, place to have to climb to. I too. would think it's that just, that's like a six month thing. You're there for six oh, months and you get rotated out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely. know, like you, you have to go like to your a, wife. You got, you got a little shack that you're sleeping in. Yeah. It's like manning a lighthouse. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah but exactly. you, know, you know, but you know, make sure you take some books with you. <laughs> you know, I just yeah, anyway, I just whittle. That's just the stuff I think about. It's like, oh my gosh, it's such a cool <laughs> scene, but those poor men. And it was always two. There was always two up there. I guess in case one gets sick or something that the other one could well, go Well, if help, if one is sleeping, you got to have one on watch. That's a good point too. Someone's got to be on watch. You're right. That's a really good point. So I mean, it's a neat it's a neat idea too. I mean, it's just I like the idea that the two kingdoms a thousand years ago said, hey, we should find a way to communicate in case one needs to come to the aid of the other. Yeah. This is a good idea. Well, how about we Well, because Rohan didn't have a plant here. Right. There's no no two-way communication. It's as good as you can get. Smoke signals aren't going to work. They used... Actually, I think... Didn't they used to have a plant here? Like, a lot of the kings had them, and then they got lost. They did at some point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can dive. Yeah, yeah. I, I read the Cimmerian the once. I don't. That. I don't want to <laughs> do that again. Yeah, yeah. That was. A you know what? Point. What I was thinking this time too is, man, it would suck to have to bring new logs up there. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So no, they, you've they set them on fire, and now you've got to bring in three tons of wood yep. to the top of a mountain um, uphill. Yeah. So yeah, both in the yeah. snow. Both ways. In the snow. <laughs> and hope there's not an invasion between. Like Exactly, right? Oh, yeah. Well, we can't light the beacon. A Chevy We're still setting Silverado. it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, they could just use one of those elephants to pull. No, they're all dead. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, poor elephants. Where do you think they got the oil? The oil. Elephant the oil. oil. Better than whale yeah. oil. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Again, all of our <laughs> listeners are getting sick. Uh, Andrew, what's your five word review? Uh, well, it's not five words, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> well, one of mine is only four. So do you want to borrow one okay. of mine? I'll probably need more than one, but okay. Um, <laughs> a, a fitting conclusion to the world's greatest cinematic trilogy. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got to thinking as I finished this and it's I you know, it's not often that I've sat and watched these movies. I've seen it, the extended cuts of all the films, probably twice, and I've seen the theatrical cut of each of them twice. So I've only seen this about four times. But uh, it's been a while, you know, since I've watched this, and seeing it again really does as a as a in its entirety now really does drive home the fact that we have movie trilogies all over the place, but I don't think any are as good as these. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm sure people would, would argue that fact uh, 
and maybe say the Godfather or whatever, but um, I would have Two to disagree. The Godfather. The yeah. third, the third one does fall flat a little bit. Yeah. Um, my other uh, five-word review kind of goes hand in hand with what you said earlier. Um, the theatrical release is not enough of this one specifically um, because there are things that get left out of the theatrical cut that I think are important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Saruman dies mm-hmm. and we don't know that in the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, it just kind of, it's a conversation between he and Gandalf and that's, that's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's important because it, it concludes that portion of the story. Yeah. It closes you know? that chapter and yeah, uh, there was audible gas in my uh, living room, by the way, when he fell on the spike yeah. <laughs> and my girls were like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the, the, the fun part about that, like we've talked about how there's so many stories for making these movies and that particular scene has two of my favorites, both involving Christopher Lee. And one of them is when he's, he's laying there and he's got the prosthetic uh, piece of the wheel sticking out of his chest and they're doing an overhead camera shot. And he looks up and he's like, this feels awfully familiar. Like 30, 20, 27 years ago, I did this same thing. But when I looked up, I saw Peter Cushing and now I'm seeing Peter Jackson. <laughs> and it's just like, and Peter Jackson talking about how great it was that he got to uh, impale uh, Christopher, <laughs> Sir Christopher Lee on a, on a spike. Um, but then the other one is, is the uh, Grima when, when Grima stabs him in the back, because Ooh. the story is, you know, Peter Jackson's talking about, uh, he's like, I'm, I'm the director. I have to tell him, you know, about what's happening and kind of the, the big sounds that he's making and the yelling he's doing. And, and, and Chris just looks at me and he's like, do you know? the sound you make when you're stabbed in the back because I do. Cause I do. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, he oh was, he was part of the OSS in world war two yeah. is the, uh, what was, what was it? It was called the Bureau of ungentlemanly warfare. Mm. And so he knew what happened when you stab somebody in the back. He's like, the wind just goes right out of you. And, and it was Peter Jackson was like, you know what? I'm going to default to you. You know more than I do. Do what you want. <laughs> and just kind of walked away. <laughs> Yeah, I, this, um, as we will mention in our top three later on, is uh, a best picture winning uh, movie. And I think it's rightly so. You know, there's there's so much about this film that it's just, it's like eating a meal and everything on the plate was great and wanting more. You know, you could study this film like you study yeah. the great films and yeah. and the cinematography and the storytelling and 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 the, the, the CGI effects even for 2003. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's done so well. Now, I will say in the last hour, I did have a few too many mashed potatoes. Like <laughs> it gets a little long <laughs> in there at the end. But again, like I said, with one of the previous movies, I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's unnecessary. I just know that it's long as I'm watching it, you know, and I feel like, again, Peter Jackson is saying this is an epic 
and you need to experience the epic for what it is, mm-hmm. including spending time with it. And mm-hmm. so as we're saying our goodbyes to everybody um, and taking an hour to do so, it <laughs> <laughs> it really, you know, it you're just experiencing the epic. And, you know, there are people that would just say, no, we could have done with all that, done without all that. And I could see their point in some ways. But if you really want to live this movie, this is a part of it. And I think, too, if that 40 minutes, I think it's about 40 minutes of runtime is just like wrapping it up and the the multiple endings and all of that. If this was a standalone movie and Peter Jackson was making just this four and a half hour movie. Yes, that's way too much ending. That's like a it's like an Aerosmith song from the '90s, where it's two minutes of song <laughs> yeah. and four minutes yep. of ending. But when you look at it through the context of a three movie trilogy and everything that they've done to that point, this is all very important wrapping up and and kind of mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of emotion tied to that that I and, think is well earned. Yeah, One and of, speaking of emotion, if you don't get emotional in some way. Somewhere in this film, something wrong with you. Like, you got to check your pulse. Whether that's anger, whether that's frustration, whether that's sadness, or whether it's, you know, happy or tears, whatever. Of joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just, yeah. You know, or whatever it might be. Hyped up, hyped up from Theoden's speech and ready to run through a wall because you played that clip right. at the beginning. And that, <laughs> every time I hear that, and I have watched this movie, I don't know how many times, every time I hear that clip of Bernard Hill giving that speech i'm ready to jump up and just run straight through a wall and not care it just gets me going like i just i can't help it It, you're right there's so much emotion in this movie yeah Uh, a couple of things i wanted to mention as you guys were talking all these ideas are bouncing around in my head so talking about the ending my favorite moment in the ending is probably the quietest moment when the four hobbits are back at the at the pub and they're Mm. they're now looking at hobbit life through these new eyes and they like they feel awkward and they can't fit in and it just reminds you of soldiers who come back from war having seen mm-hmm. the shit that they've exactly. seen exactly and mm-hmm. they don't know how to go back to it and obviously frodo is the one of the four that can't he just can't yeah. go back and yeah, yeah. sam takes the leap of faith to go ask the prettiest girl in town to marry him because at this point he's like I faced down goblins and the <laughs> dragon, like like whatever. I can go ask the prettiest girl in town to marry me. That's the easiest thing I'll ever do, you know. So, um, I, I walked just, into yeah. a volcano and came out of it. I can ask her out. Yeah, I picked up my best friend, carried him into a volcano, and then got picked <laughs> up by a giant eagle on the way out. And like this, yeah, this is nothing. So, in some way, sorry, in some ways, this to me is Sam's story. Oh, yeah. Because oh, uh-huh. as Frodo is carrying this ring and we see the weight that is put on him as he gets closer and he gets closer and, you know, this is just destroying him, his being, right? Uh, as he gets weaker, Sam has to get stronger. Yeah. He mm-hmm. has to carry his friend. He has to be the hero. And that... To me, I mean, I kind of looked at it differently as I watched it this time. It's really his story in a lot of ways. 
I I really found it interesting today. And again, it was one of those moments where it just hit me like a ton of bricks. See, I said the thing right this time, Sam. <laughs> and that was that Frodo is a flawed character. I mean, like a lot mm-hmm. of movies with our hero who is flawed, up until this point, up until this movie, Frodo is pretty much the perfect person. He's Captain uh-huh. America. He's everything you want. He does all the right things. He does makes all the right choices. And then in this movie, some of those choices start not being so great. And then at the very end, ultimately, he kind of fails, right? He, he is there to toss the ring into the fire and doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the ring finally mm-hmm. took him, and it 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 ultimately comes down to you know uh, Gollum having to take the choice out of his hand, literally and literally, <laughs> uh, and and you know and having that moment. But like, there's 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 something very genuine. I know you know what I'm saying like it wouldn't. I don't think it would have been as impactful had he walked over to the edge and just tossed it in. Mm-hmm. You know because like it. It, like you said, it was a huge weight on him, and it it was it was it was hard. It was really hard for him, and ultimately he 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 kind of fails, and it would have only been even more, I think, a little eye worthy, eye rolling worthy, if Sam was the one that ultimately takes it from him and then tosses it in. I think the way it worked was kind of perfect. That that it, Gollum is the reason why it happens because it kind of needed to be like Gollum is the way. How well, it, and. They also they 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 saved Gollum so yeah. many times in terms of uh-huh. the pity that Frodo had on Gollum is ultimately what wins the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, gosh, back to real quick back to emotions, and then I'm going to do my five words. So when we got to the you bow for no one or you bow to no one, and then the king mm-hmm. bows to the four hobbits. I mean, like I I weep every time. Like every time I do, and I meant someone. I was talking. I was back and forth on Twitter with some people about watching the movie, whatever. And they were like, "Oh my gosh, that scene gets me every time." And then I posted the GIF of it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm crying looking at the GIF of this thing <laughs> because it's so such an emotional moment." And it's just like it's a moment that you don't get very often in film or in storytelling, where the guy that is now the king of the world bows to these four guys who are you know these humble beginning kind of dudes it's just it's just so awe inspiring it's really really awesome and uh it's one of the best moments of the series um in yeah. my in my opinion so okay so i have a couple of five word uh reviews also and one of them is five and one of them is four Number, uh, my first one is the best six endings ever. So we're again, we're kind of focused <laughs> on it down. Uh, this next one um, I thought was appropriate because as we record this, we are in the middle of the 2022 Winter Olympics. So, um, though I know this reference is more for Summer Olympics, but the joke I think will still work. And that is they stuck the landing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, and I just and I mean that as in, I think Sam, you mentioned or one of you guys mentioned about Andrew mentioned like this is the best trilogy, like ever. And I know that there's some people saying, oh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, you know, yeah, but 
Yeah, but you know, you know, like those are great movies, but these three movies are all genuinely great. I mean, again, this one did win Best Picture. Now, I did look up what it won Best Picture against. Uh, nominees were Lost in Translation, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, Mystic River, which is a really good movie. It is a good movie, mm-hmm. uh, and Sea Biscuit, which is so it had some stiff competition. Uh, I don't, hey. I'm telling you, Mystic River though, that's a hell of a movie. Yeah. Like I need to see I could it. see that winning uh, a best picture in some other year, but you have a combination of how good this movie is, and there was a little bit of a kind of well, you've done three movies in the last three years that have all been up for best picture. Here's the one that's gonna win it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a tiny bit of that, but this earns it. This earns that best picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to uh, to say that it does not because it's just that good. And the thing is, you, know, you mentioned the Star Wars trilogy. Part of what helps these movies is that they have such a good source material that yeah. has this amazing story to start with. And this is, in my opinion, the best adaptation of a work into another art form that I can think of. Um, because the books are fantastic but they're very different from these movies uh-huh. and they made they made choices early on you probably talked about with with fellowship and two towers but choices they made structurally to the narrative that are that are very different from what tolkien had written to make for a better movie while still keeping all the feel of the books yeah right and that says a lot not not to do it, but I'm just gonna. I have to throw it out there. Unlike The Hobbit, which they made choices to try to make better oh. movies, but they lost the tone of the of the book. Yeah, well, that never needed to be a trilogy to start with. No, it didn't. It's, right. On top of the fact that that Peter Jackson ended up directing those, but it's like he didn't start out with that in mind, so he didn't have the time into it, the investment into it uh, personally, and he kind of had to come along and. Well, this was a, I mean, he had been, and Fran had been working on this for years and years and Mm -hmm. years. And, and there was, like you mentioned, there was a vested interest for decades almost into making this trilogy. So when he was offered the Hobbit, he had like a year to prepare. So. Yeah. Well, you know, cause it started off with what Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro was going to direct him. Yeah. And he ended up not directing. He stayed on as a producer, but he didn't direct. And so Peter Jackson steps in, and it's a very different thing. I also remember, and I don't want to spend too much more time on this because I don't want to, but um, (laughs) I I remember specifically that when The The Hobbit was announced, it was going to be two movies. It was just going to be two parts. It was originally, yeah. And then then they decided to stretch it into three. But like – I, I, for some reason, I remember finishing the first movie being like, okay, I can see how they could make this, just one other one. Just make one yeah. three-hour movie, and you got it. But they made, you know, two. Um, anyway, that's right. That's, the yeah. Hobbit is fine. Go watch the cartoon. No, version. it's not. Go watch it's the cartoon. It's not fine. Okay, you're it's, right. It's, in my mind, it's like the prequels to Star Wars. It's just... it. It almost ruins the original. The uh, it leaves nothing, a bad I mean, taste in your mouth. I don't go that far because, first of all, nothing is going to ruin the original for me. I don't care what it is. Uh, whatever that original thing is, will will always be that thing. 
Mm-hmm. But the Hobbit movies, much like the prequels, have some good bones and there's some there's some good stuff in there. The problem is that some of the execution doesn't work. And there's there's changes that they made or things that they added, some of which is good. Like I like expanding Radagast and giving him more screen time. Um, but then uh, a love triangle out of kind of nothing oh, I didn't that, care for. Yeah, that, um, was, that was bad. Legolas being stuff. in this was also bad. I think that was a bad choice. I know that they just wanted Orlando Bloom to do something, but... <laughs> You have to wonder, too, how much is studio? Like, how much did did studio influence be like, well, you know, you're going to get the money to make these, but we want this stuff in there. And, you know, I I don't know. I don't know all those stories. It's hard to say. It's it's not executed nearly as well. No, it's not. No. Uh, All right. That's that's the last we will speak (laughs) of of that other trilogy. Okay. Um. So I kind of broke my rule. You know how I kind of have a rule, Travis, you, you're not aware of this, but I kind of have a weird rule. If I like a movie, I usually don't take a lot of notes because usually what it means is that I'm, I'm sucked into the movie and there's mm-hmm. just not much for me to write about. Sure. I, I took a lot of notes. And maybe that's just because it's a four and a half hour movie or maybe it's because I'm noticing things that I didn't notice before or I'm just being dumb like the elephant, you know, food, whatever. <laughs> And, um, cause like my first few notes were just simple things like, Hey, that's a cool way to show Smeagol turning into Gollum. We get like, uh, Oh, is that, is that a montage, Sam or no? Um, yeah, it would be a montage. Okay. Yeah. So might have a montage, but I, I, I liked showing his, for a lack of a better word, origin story. I liked that. And it mm-hmm. didn't take very long. It was it was just a few minutes. And then the whole scene at Isengard, I've forgotten about the extended version with the stabby stabby and the falling and the thing. And uh-huh. apparently there's a trap door on the roof of Isengard. People just go up there all the time. I, or I just, sure. Why not? Just put a railing up there. Jeez. Um, they don't believe not, in railings. Remember. It's like OSHA Lucas, approved. Lucas and Jackson. There's, there's yeah. nothing OSHA approved in, in Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. Nope. Um, uh, John Noble plays a really great, crazy old madman. Uh, he was so well casted in this. And my wife says, "Yeah, how does he get his face to twitch like that? And I said, I don't know, but maybe when I become old and crazy like him, I can do that. Because he constantly was just twitchy. Um, but he's great. I love him in, in Fringe. I thought he was great in that TV oh, show. Oh, yeah. He's wonderful in Fringe, and I mean, this was the first thing I ever remember seeing him in yeah. was, mm-hmm. was this movie, and I was like, "I who is this guy?" Because he's he's great. Yeah. And then a few years later, I see the the pilot for Fringe, and I'm like, "Oh, it's friggin' that dude!" Yeah, it's and that crazy I, dude. I couldn't think of his name, and <laughs> and I was sold. Like I was hooked on the show after that. Which is funny because like my as soon as he, I saw him in Fringe, I thought, "Is he gonna be a good guy or a bad guy?" <laughs> You know, cause well, like he's, he's mm-hmm. got one of those, he's got that ability to be like the, he can play the kind hearted kind of grandfatherly old man, or he can be the, Oh boy, I'm going to give this dude a wide berth old man. Like I don't want to get within, yeah. uh, you know, a quarter mile of this guy because he's creep. Like he's, he can do that with his face so well. Mm-hmm. He can emote so much without saying a word. Yeah. Um, I did note that this movie has a lot of pep talks. There's, 
there's a lot of people kind of talking other people up. You know, Sam has to give Frodo like two or three pep talks throughout the thing. What you get, right? I mean, you get that. Frodo is going through hell. Literal, physical, emotional, spiritual hell. And Sam there, his gardener, is there to help him. Um, I just noticed. And then, you know, you have to have the, the pep talk that I played at the beginning. You know, the, the rally of the troops talk. And then um, Aragorn has, does the does the one at the end. I just, there's a lot of pep talks in this movie, but you know, mm-hmm. pe- people are down. This is a hard time. You need you need people to lead and and to say nice things. Um, well, unless you're the crazy crazy uh, Stuart that's you know run for your lives, flee, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and he's, then he's giving the anti pep talk, and then gets bonked yeah. in the dog and by uh, by Gandalf. <laughs> I love it. I love that yes. none of the guards cared. Stopped him. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't stop him at all. Yeah. Like, oh, it's Gandalf. Well, he's gonna do what he's gonna. I do. mean, yeah, it's Gandalf. He's like he's mythic in that in that place. So that I wouldn't, if I was yeah. a guard and I saw that dude, I'd just be like, "You do what you want." Man. I didn't see then. I didn't see anything. Speaking of Gandalf and in the extended edition, I I had forgotten that the Witch King breaks his staff, mm-hmm. and because I remember watching the theatrical version, going, "Where does his staff go? It's just it's just missing." Like where did it go? It's like the Mandalorian sniper tuning fork gun. It just one minute it's there and then the next it's not. I guess that's a spoiler yep. for Mandalorian. But um but yeah, no, the Witch King takes it. That that was pretty cool. He just says your staff is broken and it just I mean like he like he like that's what Gandalf did to Isengard. Not to Isengard, but yep. to Sauron. Yeah. He just to Yeah. Yeah. So those just you know, just walk up to a wizard and say the magic words, and you'll break their staff. That's pretty crazy. Uh, let's see, I mentioned that joke. Oh, so Sam played this video game, Travis. I don't know. I know you do a tr- uh, a Twitch stream, but I don't know if you play video games much. But I played the Shadow of Mordor video game, mm-hmm. which I don't know if we can consider it canon to Lord of the Rings, but I think it does. I think it's kind of kind of canon to the Lord of the Rings because it tells some really interesting stories. Um, you know, because it's it's basically telling the story of how Mordor took over Minas Morgul. And mm-hmm. the character that you are, you are, you are the steward, you are the the, the manager, facilitator of mm-hmm. Minas Morgul when, when Mordor takes over. And that's your story, is you and a cursed elf king, one of the, one of the three are there to uh, exact your revenge on Mordor. That's what the game is based on. The sequel to that game, um, the sequel gives us where Shelob comes from. Mm. Um, See, I, I know of the games. I actually I own Shadow of Mordor. I've never played it. It's yeah. one of the dozens of games in my <laughs> Steam library that yeah. just sits there sad and lonely. It's so good. It's so much fun. It's a good it game. Really if is. you like the kind of, it's not quite open world, but kind of, but you know, it's, you go to a place and do a thing and you know, there's some sneaking around and there's a lot of hacking and slashing and you, you get powers and power, mm-hmm. up, you know, things like that. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, there's a, there's a whole storyline, storyline to Shelob and why a giant spider has a name because, because there's a reason. So, Go play the game is all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> I did also write, even the best picture uses the Wilhelm scream twice. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, it was twice in this one. I was picking them out because uh, I was saying before we started recording, I watched all three of the movies um, over like a four and a half, five day period. Uh, and yeah, there's a Wilhelm scream in all of them, but there's two in this one. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's a Wilhelm. And then a little while later, damn it, there's another one. There's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, last couple of notes I'm going to go over there and then and we can get into some clips or if there's anything else you want to talk about. But one of the other small moments that I really loved, and I guess it's not a small moment, I guess it's actually a big moment, but I love that they filmed it, is that in the, the Battle of Helm's Deep, when, when the, the Rohirrim are coming in for the rescue, and the, the orcs are there, or the Urukai are there with their pikes, and they're going to spear the hell out of all those horses. And then the sun comes up and it blinds them, and that's why they lift their spears, because they're blinded, and that's how the horses are able to kind of cut through the ranks. Or in this case, we don't have the sun magic on our side. We just have pure rage on the, on the part of the Rohirrim, <laughs> and the orcs get scared. They get mm-hmm. scared, and I love that. That like you can, these are extras. These are paid extras to be orcs. They are in makeup for you know for forever, and you know the director saying, "Look scared." These guys look terrified, and I really like that. Like it was just enough for them to raise their pikes, for that army to just cut through them like they're driving tanks. I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, such a yeah, cool listen. scene. If if I'm out on a battlefield and Carl Urban is charging at me, screaming like a banshee, I'm going to pee myself too. Yeah, yeah, because there comes there comes Doc McCoy and he's going to say something like, "Damn it, Jim, I'm a horse rider, not a doctor." <laughs> oh, it's so good. See, I just snuck in that Star Trek connection. I didn't have to. Oh my gosh, we took so much grief, by the way, in the Fellowship of the Ring, not remembering Carl Urban's name. <laughs> I was trying to find the Star Trek connection in the Fellowship and. There's uh, Cameron who does a Star Trek podcast. Couldn't remember Carl mm. Urban's name, but Carl Urban's not in Fellowship. Fellowship, yeah. But no. the actor who was in the suit, who was in the in the makeup suit of Saruman, not Saruman, Sauron. He uh, oh, yeah. he is a Romulan soldier man, whatever in the O nine Star Trek movie. Yep. So that was the only thing I could find. But we couldn't think of Carl Urban's name, and like we got on Twitter, we got blasted. How could you not remember <laughs> Carl Urban's name? So, uh, anyway, Carl Urban, got it. Um, that's kind of it. Oh, the last one I do say yeah. is, uh, uh, I kind of feel like the four of the hobbits should have been invited to go on the boat to leave, not just Frodo. Just I'm just well, they didn't carry the ring though. Yeah, Only but the Frodo other three did equally important things. Yeah, but Sam had some, he had some tail to chase. Yeah, he did. He's got a hot wife now and some little kitties. But like, hey, Sam, you want to come too? Bring, you know, you want to come? No, you good? Okay. Pippin, Mary, no? You're going to just I, go? I think it all has to do with the other side in the in the gray mist or whatever they would call it. You are over the ring influence. Like, it helps. You just don't have, it's basically a, a respite from what the ring did to you. Yeah. No, I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get why it is the way it is. It just made me think, like, they deserve some some love, too. You know, they did a lot yeah. of hard stuff. Uh, but At least give them the option of first refusal, right? Yeah. Like, Pip, <laughs> Pip, Mary, you, you want to? No? You good? Okay, cool. You we're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we offered. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It is. It also is kind of funny. I love the idea that, like, like there's a ticketing system. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we've been invited to do the thing. Like it just it, it felt like there was a like there's a guy there that says Is you there can't. is there an elfish uh TSA? Yeah, exactly. Like are they gonna get to the other side <laughs> of the ocean and like, oh, no ticket and they're gonna throw you out like Harrison Ford did did to the Nazi and Well they yeah, they do that like halfway. Yeah. Right? They're halfway across the ocean and then they're coming along. Tickets, tickets, please. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> just tossing hobbits out of the boat. <laughs> oh, would have been a would have been a great callback though if you had had like Bilbo goes across the the plank onto the boat and the and here's Gandalf and and Frodo walking and and you see Elrond standing there right and then Merry and Pippin just come running onto the boat and he's just got that same look on his face like he did in the Fellowship movie. Yeah. Like, what the what the hell is going on? Yeah, oh, yeah that, that's funny. Did Gandalf go too? I don't remember. Did he go yeah, too? Yeah, he did. So there's yeah, no more because that was that was the end of his his journey, his his yeah. purpose of being Middle Earth. Okay. So he got to go to the Grey Havens as well. So I wonder if there are other, you know, like Radagast and some of the other wizards are still floating around. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, are there stories post the Third Age? Um, I don't know of any offhand. I mean, Radagast is probably out somewhere high on shrooms with a bunch of animals because yeah. that's just what a Radagast do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the blue wizards, who knows? Nobody even knows their names. Yeah. So, Yeah. All right. That's fine. Okay. We ready for some clips? Because, boy, do I have some. Let's do it. All right. Here sure we go. Um, I just really like uh, Smeagol just really think taking uh, time to think about the taste palette for uh, Shelob. Oh, she gets his filthy oxes. And that doesn't taste very nice, does they, precious? Yeah. The orcs don't taste good. <laughs> He's just looking, looking out for her. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. This is, uh, this is, uh, uh Gandalf being Gandalf. There's no lie in Pippin's eyes. A fool. But an honest fool, he remains. An honest fool. Is, is Ian McKellen as Gandalf not one of the best pieces of casting in the history of film? I mean, Absolutely. he is, he friggin' is Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100% agree. You're, you're absolutely right. He's, he's, he's great. Um, I mean, it kind of put him on the map, right? I mean, he was Magneto the year before. Uh, he was, cause Ma- but, X- X-Men was in 2000. Um, yeah, I mean, us- I know, I knew who he was prior even to that. And I'd seen him in a few things. Apt Pupil was one he had done that was really good. Yeah. He'd been doing movies for quite a while. Yeah. From a from a mass audience standpoint, to be Magneto, follow that up with being Gandalf and and being in one of the largest uh like most popular film franchises of all time. That yeah, definitely put him on the map. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's just kind of crazy to think that like like you said, the guy's been around for a really long time, but it's not until he's I don't know, in his late 60s before he really strikes it big. It's just, you know, more proof that just keep doing your thing. You never know when, when it's going to hit. Um, yeah. I mean, heck, he's, he plays death in Last Action Hero. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a deep cut for you for the five people <laughs> that like that movie. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, sure. Here's uh, Gandalf talking more to, uh, <laughs> to Pippin. 
Lord Denisor, his Boromir's father. To give him news of his beloved son's death would be most unwise. I do not mention Frodo. Three. And say nothing of Aragorn either. In fact, it's better if you don't speak at all about him too. <laughs> just, just don't say stuff. Just be there and be quiet. And then yeah, they walk much. right in, and he's he's lamenting his son's death. Yeah, it's like yep. oh, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, oh Lord. crap. Yeah. Um, just a real quick dovetail on the um on the Gandalf thing because you may have talked about this. I don't know, but Sean Connery was offered the role of Gandalf. Yeah. And didn't understand it, so he turned it down. Which oh, dear Lord, is great. Honestly, yeah. Like he could have very easily just been like, sure, I'll do that. You know, you're going to pay me, but he didn't. And we got Ian McKellen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think that is uh, that is a, a a bullet well dodged. <laughs> um, I just I think because I think you're right. I think the problem would have been is that he would have been too big for the part. Like I think mm-hmm. what makes the casting great is that most of these guys are good, solid actors, but none of them are superstars. Right. That's the difference. Yeah, they're they're good actors. Like Ian McKellen is a fantastic actor. Yeah. Right. He's got so much uh presence. He's done stage acting forever and and he can embody the role, but he isn't he, he isn't and wasn't a superstar. Yeah. Vigo Mortensen's yep. the same way. You know, none of them were superstars, so they never got they were never bigger. They never had to have their name above the title. Yeah. You know, they're not a Tom Cruise or a Will Smith type where where they're going to take away almost from the character you're watching you're not watching Ian McKellen on screen you're watching Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's to your point specifically. That's like that's what makes it great. Um and that's what, you know, some of the like other movies that done this kind of thing. Like Star Wars was great at this. No one had heard of any of those guys except Sir Alec Guinness. Like most of those guys were fairly unknown dudes, and that's kind of the way that they wanted it. So when they cast for you know the prequels, I mean, yeah, you bring in Liam Neeson, but you know you're only going to bring him in for an, a movie, a ah, movie. But, you know, um, Hayden Christensen was a nobody. Uh, heck, even um, Ewan McGregor was a f- pretty new dude. Not many people had heard of. Natalie Portman had had just done a couple of things, but she wasn't a star yet. So I think when you, when you're able to cast like that, I think that's what great. Heck, that's what makes uh, freaking Iron Man. So awesome. Is because at the time, RDJ wasn't, you know, like he was just that, like, really, that's the guy you want to be to lead your superhero movie. Like, okay. You know, and it ended up being perfect. He, RDJ is Tony Stark. So, yeah, casting well, matters. No. Casting matters. Uh-huh. It very much does. I mean, look how close we were to having uh, Stuart Townsend as Aragorn. Who? He was Stuart Townsend. Uh, <laughs> There's uh, a reason see, why I uh, said who. Village of, not Village of the Damned. Queen of the Damned. No, I'm gonna look him up. He was he was uh, Lestat in Queen of the Damned. He was. Um, Dorian Gray and League oh, of Extraordinary League of Gentlemen. Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. No. God. No. He was he was cast as Strider, and had to back out uh, for whatever reason. And oh, uh, Jackson recast him because he he figured he figured he was too young to play the part. And then they bring in Vio Mortensen. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Good call there too. And like, can you, can you picture? 
Yeah. Can you picture anyone else as Aragorn at this point? Like, no. you really, it's it's no. difficult. And he was like a last minute replacement. Yeah. And he was another one who, you know, had had a solid career prior to this movie. But it was always playing smaller parts like in Crimson Tide and stuff like that. Or I think uh, there was another one he was in. Um, I can't think of the title of it now. Um, kind of a thriller that he had done prior to it. But like he was he was an actor. And and if you were a film buff at the time, you, you right, may have recognized his name or had seen his face. But then this movie comes out and he just blows up, puts him on the map. You know, John Reese davies is the same way. John Reese davies you, you knew him as Sala and you'd seen him in things, but he was, like, this was a big exposure for him. Yeah. Yeah, he did, like, right before this, right before Fellowship, Vigo had done 28 Days. Uh, let's <clears> see, he did Psycho, the 1998 Psycho movie. Um, I remember He was that. in G.I. Jane. Uh, he was in Daylight. Uh, let's see. I'm skipping over some Crimson Tide. Yeah, oh, he's the missile. A perfect guy. murder is the one I was thinking of. Perfect murder. Ninety-eight. Yep. 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 Um, most of the stuff I've never heard of, though. Uh, Boiling Point, Young Guns Two, Leatherface Three. He was Tex. Yeah. Uh, he was an episode of Miami Vice, also. So. Yeah. Oh, he was in uh, the 1985 uh, Witness. He was in Witness. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We watched that for the podcast. What was he in Witness? Mm-hmm. He was, uh, it was Moses Hocklinder. Hocklitner. Anyway, there you go. Vigo, what a career. Good, good for him. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, casting, I mean, gosh, even like like Orlando Bloom, like has a dude ever looked more like an elf than that man at that age? <laughs> I mean, he almost looks translucent just standing there. Um, the everybody they had playing elves, by the way. Like how how uh how tough is that for your self-esteem if you're on set on a day where they're shooting stuff with the elves? You're just surrounded by all these tall really attractive like, people, yeah ridiculously beautiful people like yeah. you, you've got orlando bloom and Liv tyler and freaking kate blanchett and it's all of them martin Sokas. like every single one of them is just like no stop it you're all too beautiful Quit <laughs> yeah <it."> this isn't <laughs> the cw <laughs> get out of here brett brett from freaking uh, uh flight of the concords is one of the elves that blew my mind i never made that connection until this time watching it and i realized that uh the one elf when uh, when Arwen is riding the horse and she kind of has the the moment where she sees the vision, mm. the elf that's talking to her, that's like, my lady, we need to go. That's Brett from Flight of the Concords. I've never watched yeah. that show. I know what yeah. it is, but I've never watched it. It's good stuff. Yeah, he, uh, Orlando, like right before, so he did, before this movie, the, the Fellowship, he had done one episode of Midsummer Murders as Peter Drinkwater. Before that, he did an one episode uncredited of a TV show called Smack the Pony. Before that, he did a movie called Wild, and his character was called Rent Boy. And then he was a couple a character, uncredited character in a TV show called Casualty. Like that's it. And then he gets the Fellowship of the Ring. Like his agent was awesome. Uh, you know, uh, he, he can do action. He can do a lot of action and he's really pretty and he can, you know, yeah. give him a blonde wig. And then from there he goes and does, you know, Black Hawk down. 
uh, and then this, the rest of this stuff, and then Troy and Kingdom of Heaven. He's so good in Kingdom of Heaven. Go watch Kingdom of Heaven, the director's cut. It is so freaking good. Yes. But only the director's cut. Only the director's cut. Right. Yeah. Because, <laughs> Sam, you were one, right? You were the one of the people I forced to watch the director's cut, and you are like, oh, yep. my gosh, it's such a good movie. It's, it's better. Yeah. Oh, yeah plus, all the, sure. of course, all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, too. He did all those pirate movies. And, uh, yes, Three Musketeers. Uh, anyway, there you go. And now Carnival Row doing uh, yeah. sexy, sexy stuff with uh, that other pretty lady. I can't think of her name. Okay, and, 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 yes. and I have I have to mention again again Christopher Lee just because it's Christopher Lee. Oh yeah, and as Sauron, like pitch pitch perfect as Sauron, on top of being the one person involved in everything who had met Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We mentioned that uh, a few episodes ago. I can't remember which one, but we mentioned that he had in fact met him, which is really awesome. And we also mentioned that he auditioned for Gandalf. He wanted to be Gandalf. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him either, but I don't see it working. He just he looks like a grumpy old man that just wants to kill you. It's just I, I could think... see that though before Sean Connery. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. sure. Sure. Yeah, I could oh, sure. too. Yeah. I, I, and I think I think if this movie had been made in say the eighties, if he was just a little bit younger, yeah. He could have pulled off, he could have been Gandalf. Sure. Uh, but yeah. I think by that point he was he was old enough and he definitely played uh, a cranky Sauron so much better. Yeah. He really angry. Just yeah. Okay. Uh still have some more clips to play. Um <laughs> If you're going to say the name of your movie in your movie, I will capture it. And I tell you now, I will not bow to this ranger from the north. Last of a ragged house, long bereft of lordship. Authority is not given to you to deny the return of the king, steward. I love how he uses the word steward as a freaking insult. Uh (laughs) He might as well have just said bitch. I love it. (laughs) I mean, that was Middle Earth for bitch. Well, I mean, last uh, last episode we had some really good smack talk, right? Um, uh, we had some great smack talk. In uh, Saruman was just two towers. Uh, I gotta spell tower. Oh, for right. sure. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, come on, this is great uh, trash talk. Gandalf the White. Gandalf the Fool. There we go. Yeah, that's a trash <laughs> talk right there. It's great. I love all the different names that Gandalf has too. Yeah. Gandalf the Grey, Mithrandia, Gandalf Greyhim. Uh just just all the different names. Like everybody knows him as somebody just just a little bit different. Yeah. Just like yeah, it's, it depends on how he approached them at some point in the past. Yep. Um I apparently was typing very fast, and I don't remember what this means because it's not a, an actual word. What I typed, W S H T H A T. Wish, wish that. I guess I was trying to say. I don't know. Here we go. You wish now that our places had been exchanged. Got it. That I had died and Boromir had lived. Yes. I wish that. There we go. Yeah, that's worst just, dad ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Seriously. It's so sad. I mean, it's so sad that Faramir feels like the only way that he can come back. Because he even says, I'll, 
I'll go take Osgiliath one way or another. I'll, you know, if I don't see you again or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll praise you in which the manner you return or something like that. Like, like even or depending if you, on the matter you return. Yeah, like even if you yep. die, if you die, but you don't take Osgiliath, then you will not be honored. It's like, gee, Lord, gracious. Okay. Um, here's some good Gimli stuff. Well, this is a thing unheard of. An elf will go underground when a dwarf dare not. <laughs> yep. Like uh, a little bit of Gimli there. Let's see. Um, here's a little bit of Sam getting pissed. That's for Frodo! That's for the Shire! And that's for my old gather! <laughs> I love it. I love oh. it. I love it. Rudy, Rudy just tearing, tearing up the field. Oh my gosh. I also really like, and this is just such a small detail, but I, I was looking for it, is that because he's holding Sting, right? He's got, he's, he's, he's swords akimbo, right? He's dual wielding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when the third orc dies, when he stabs him and he pulls the sword out, Sting is no longer blue. Uh -huh. I'm like, yay, somebody in the FX department was paying attention. I just, <laughs> I love that detail. Now, of course, oh, yeah. I think there is actually one on the top floor. So there obviously is a uh, there's a uh, a proximity effect happening, but still. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't close enough yet. Wasn't close enough, but I still thought it was awesome that like he stabs him, it's blue. He pulls the sword out, it's not. I just that's that's mm -hmm. really cool. Uh, certain death. Oh yeah, here's Gimli. Certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? I was going to do a joke build up and I just forgot because, you know, that was two and a half hours ago when I thought about the joke. <laughs> um, and I was going to say, hey, this is, uh, Sam has just now convinced me to start the podcast and this is what I said. Certainty of death, small chance of success. <laughs> what are we waiting for? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Eight and a half years Perfect. later, we're, we're still at it. Yep. Um, I didn't capture the, you bow to no one. I didn't capture that though. Uh, I did like the part when he sees Arwen for the first time and he mm -hmm. takes the banner and just hands it to some lady. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, here, take here, this. Take this. I'm the king. I'm going to make out with my future wife. Hold this thing. You know, I, I, <laughs> uh, I did like that scene. I didn't capture that. I captured this though, because, um, I don't know, like, we were talking about story arcs earlier. And Gimli and Legolas, they don't really get a story arc like the other ones because they're already super brave. They're already excellent fighters. And what they mm -hmm. do is, is that they grow closer together as friends. Yep. Because mm -hmm. this movie is way more about love as a friendship love than man oh, yeah. and woman love. I mean, you know, there's mm -hmm. a little bit of the... She likes him, but he can't love her because he's in love with the elf lady. And then Faramir and her end up in the, at the together at the end anyway. So she mm -hmm. gets, she gets a boo, which is fine. But like for the most part, this movie is not about that. It's about dudes being friends and whatever. And um, and I, I mentioned it in the fellowship or in the Two Towers episode. I mean, I can't remember which one. But like having read the Cimmerillion and learning why dwarves and elves hate each other. I mean. It is bred into them to hate each other. 
Uh-huh. You know, it's Hatfields and McCoys. It's Ohio versus Michigan. Like, you hate the other. And then Legolas is willing to die fighting the Rohirrim because one dude threatened Gimli. And then here they are at the end of the world, and we get this moment. I thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. What about side by side with a friend? Yeah, it's just it's just so <laughs> awesome. I love it. I really do. Yeah, it's so awesome. The greatest bromance of all time. Yeah, it's like listen, Gimli. You know, okay, I need to complain for just a second, and it has nothing to do with this movie. Did you guys ever see when TBS had these movies for a long time, and they edited the commercial promos to make it look like Frodo and Sam was having some kind of romance? Do you guys remember that? No, no, I oh, don't. God, it was so annoying. I bet you if we YouTubed it, you would find them. TN- TBS or TNT, I can't remember, but they edited these commercials where, because there's a lot of moments where Frodo is just looking at stuff. You know, he's <laughs> just looking off camera, um, longingly at something. There's a lot of that. But they edited it so it made it look like Sam and Frodo are looking at each other. And then, I mean, they well, made I it, mean, it was... I get it in some ways. Like, if you cast Elijah Wood and you've got that face and those eyes, you want to p- take pictures of those. Like, yeah. put that mm-hmm. on screen because he has impossibly blue eyes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't remember those those trailers, but I or those those promos. But I could kind of see that because you know Sam is is kind of he's both. Frodo's friend, but he's also like his, um, like you're familiar with the term a Batman, uh, in the British military. No, No. they were, so a Batman or, um, also they were also called, um, orderlies were like the officers valet or valets. And they, they were a commissioned officer would have a Batman who basically did everything for him, drove him around if they had a vehicle, um, acted as a runner, all these kind of things. And that's sort of how that relationship between Frodo and Sam was, was originally structured is like Sam or Frodo is sort of the officer doing the work. And, and Sam is his, his orderly, his Batman. Interesting. Um, and, and I always liked kind of when I learned about that, how, how that dynamic worked, because it was a, it, it was like a position of a lot of respect and, and that same kind of like, we've been in war sort of love. Like he, like the Batman would, he would dig the foxhole. He would, uh, act as a bodyguard. He would do all of these things. He was just with the officer all the time. And that was Sam. Sam is that 100%. So. Okay. Huh. Yeah. There you go. I Learned didn't know something. that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. It's also kind of, how can I say this without insulting British officers? It seems, it seems very lazy on the officer's part. You know, it's like, what exactly are the officers doing that they can't help dig the hole or they can't drive themselves or, well, that's just my American, um, it's some of that, but it's also like, it's, it's the guy that's there to like the officer has, uh, has orders to give out. So his Batman runs it to the subordinates. He takes, he takes the orders. He's like, all right, let me go deliver those. And the officer can can continue on with whatever else he's doing at the time, yeah. or you know, little things like maintaining his uniform, like uh, like driving the vehicle. 
the the officer yeah. is busy doing his officer uh, officer duties he's got somebody to drive him around yeah um that kind of thing and that's that's been common for a long time um in mm-hmm. fact that my my wife's cousin was a driver for a, a general during um operation iraqi freedom um it was just this is a short version of the story but basically um he was just a a, a private and some some stuff started going down and he got in the he got in the jeep and saved some people including this guy and he was like hey you're my guy from now on because you you saved me and he promoted him and then he became like this guy like his valet his his driver um and then eventually what would happen is that he um the general's like hey so here's the deal I have to either promote you or reassign you, but you can't stay as my guy, as my, my driver. I have to promote you. And he's like, okay. And he goes, but if I promote you, then you have to technically be my bodyguard. And he goes, what does that mean? He goes, you walk into the room first. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, that's fine. So, But this is a general that's high up enough. He's not going into the... He's not going into you know active shooting scenarios. But right. if he's going into a place where... There could be danger. Uh, my wife's cousin went in first, and uh, anyway, that was uh, there. You go. That's the guy. Um, all right, time for this. And now for some more bad news. Ready? Again, this movie has so much trivia. There's no way I could have read half of it. I just didn't have. I don't have time. <laughs> so, um, um, the three pieces of trivia I, I found were pretty interesting, and the fourth one made me laugh. Um, I posted it on Twitter already. Basically, it said that Peter Jackson had such a hard time dealing with the Weinsteins that um, when he gave them, you know, producer credit at the end of the movie, in this movie, at the end, there's like drawings kind of happening in the background, um, mm-hmm. and and in particular, this one is a picture of a man with a pike attacking two giant ogres, and. That's basically a way of saying his relationship with the Weinsteins. So I screen captured that and threw it up on Twitter. So if you want to see that, just go to my Twitter feed at Cheap Seat Cast and you can see that there. Okay, so here's some trivia. Since John Reese Davies suffered constant rashes from wearing the Gimli makeup, which we all know, the makeup department gave him the opportunity to throw his Gimli mask into the fire on his last day of pickup <laughs> photography. He didn't. He didn't hesitate the moment and grabbed to grab and burn it. So, John Reese Davis got to burn the Gimli facial hair and mask. Uh, Love it. The last shot of principal photography was when the newly crowned Aragorn bows to the four hobbits. Although Viggo Mortensen did not need to be on set for that day, he nevertheless insisted on attending. He didn't have a crown, as it wasn't necessary because he wasn't being filmed, so he made one out of paper, and with each successive take, the crown was becoming more ornate and sillier as the crew members kept decorating it, so the four actors playing the hobbits (laughs) had difficulty suppressing their giggles. (laughs) That's perfect. Uh, I love that. There's so many good moments like that. Um, another one involving Vigo that I just, uh, was reminded of earlier tonight actually was the shot of Sam and, uh, Rosie at their wedding. Yeah. They were, they were shooting that. And there's a moment where they turn around towards the camera and Vigo was on set and saw this and he was like, and he runs off and he grabs Billy Boyd 
who was in his trailer and brings him back out. And so they stood there off camera so that Sean Astin would, and, and I can't remember the actress name who plays Rosie would have somebody to look at when they turned around, that would be a familiar face instead of just like random crew members. And so they kept doing take after take. And on one of the takes, they throw, uh, they they throw the bouquet and you see Billy Boyd catch it and Vigo just grabs him and just kisses him. <laughs> <laughs> and it just got the best reaction out of everybody. He's like, I don't know if that's the take they used, but uh, you know, it was just the heat of the moment. That's awesome. It's just it makes you kind of like glad to know that these actors know how to have fun and like Well, you know, they got like, along for God's sake, right? Uh-huh. You hear well they had to, they lived together for yeah. you know the three movies yeah what was it uh uh elijah wood didn't realize how long he would be in new zealand when he first like was getting ready to go and he thought it was going to be like a six month thing and it ended up being 18 months straight of being in new zealand (laughs) for principal photography (laughs) wow it's just crazy yeah it is Speaking of crazy, I, this was a piece of trivia. I love stuff like this. I, I also I just like stuff like this. So facts and numbers about the, the trilogy. This is for the tril- trilogy. Six million feet of film was shot during production. 48,000 swords, axes, shields, and makeup prosthetics. 20,602 background actors cast. 19,000 costumes made by the wardrobe department. 10,000 crowd participants at the New Zealand cricket game who made the ARC Army grunts, 2,400 behind-the-scenes crew members at the height of production, 1,600 pairs of prosthetic hobbit feet were created, 250 horses used in one scene, 180 computer visual effects artists employed, 114 total speaking roles, 100 real locations in New Zealand, used for backdrops, 50 trailers, sorry, 50 tailors, cobblers, designers, and others in the wardrobe department, 30 actors and actresses trained to speak fictional dialects and languages, seven total years of development for all three films. Yeah, I mean, and and it's stuff like that that puts a quantifiable, uh, you know, these quantifiable numbers onto why... I tell people these movies are worth watching. Even if you're not a fan of fantasy films, the production value alone and what went into making these movies, if you are at all interested in filmmaking, this is required viewing just to see what can be done and watch whatever supplemental materials you can too, if you want, because it's fascinating. It's fascinating to watch, you know, the, the armor. You, you mentioned all those numbers of like the swords and things that they made. And half of that is real weaponry. Yeah. They just weren't sharpened. Um, the story of the, there was like two people that, at, that hand did all the chain mail. They would, uh, oh. they, they had, they had plastic that they would paint, but they, they hand wove all that chain mail together. And, uh, I think it was Richard Taylor was like, yeah, they pretty much, if they wanted to go rob a bank right now, they could, cause they have no fingerprints left. They've worn the fingerprints right off their hands, wow. putting all this <laughs> chain mail together. Uh. So we should rob a bank. Well, and you think I, you know, the the cinematography, the action sets, uh, flew in Lord of the Rings, so that uh, these battle scenes and things like Game of Thrones can fly as well. Um, you know, they took the ideas from from Lord of the Rings and and just 
made them that much better for some of those those sequences in in future movies that are trying to replicate what a fantasy battle would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's amazing what went into making these movies and the fact that the whole world also feels lived in. It's dirty. It's grimy. There's there. It's not uh, this like shiny, pristine area. Even the the with the exception of like Galadriel, who kind of glows white, right? But she's mm-hmm. an elven queen, so that makes sense. But it, it just everything feels right because they did this perfect mix of all this practical work and all of the costuming and and everything else, and then interwove in the right amount of CG at the time. Like the technology was perfect. It was the perfect storm to be able to make these movies and to put them on screen. Yeah. Just love it. I, I, I can't say enough about these movies and we never even talked about music. Well, no, and, well yeah. that's next week. That's, that's the, a whole podcast dedicated to uh, Mr. Short. I can't wait to listen to that because this is easily one of my, if not my favorite series of film scores to listen to. Like I just put them on all the time. I love Howard Shore's scores. Well, you should for these just movies. pull up, you just go to Pandora and type in film scores and every fourth one will be Howard Shore's uh-huh. music in this. Yeah. <laughs> Pandora, it, it sounds like, it feels like Pandora bought four pieces of music. They bought the rights to Harry <laughs> Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and and then about just seven other just random things from one studio. Because, you know, I've heard that trombone like about 10,000 times. So um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just saying I've heard it a lot. But yeah, we have uh, we have kind of intentionally avoided talking about this, the film score for the last uh, these three episodes. <laughs> specifically because we're going to spend a couple hours next week talking about it uh, with... Um, well, with an expert, though I don't think Chris or Chris Eric would like me using that word, but I'm going to. Um, yeah. And he did. It was funny. He did listen to uh, our last two episodes and said, "I feel bad that you and your guests didn't get to talk about the music because I know that your guests <laughs> wanted to talk about the music." <laughs> well, I wasn't getting out of here tonight without mentioning it because it like, and it's it's memorable music. It, they're they're movements that uh, that. I just are like in my brain all the time and I I always hear them and I never get tired of listening to it and they fit perfectly. Like it's that, that's that icing on the cake. I I mentioned how just all the production value that went into this and all the work and all the love that went into making these films and you see all that on screen and then the, the sound mixing and then the music on top of it. Like everything is just there. There's no missteps in making these movies. Yeah. There really isn't. Um, this is a kind of a side thing, but here I am. So I'm I'm on Twitter because I'm I'm trying to make sure I have uh, our our uh, our top three categories kind of pulled up here on Twitter, and I'm still getting interaction on our our posting. Uh, but I put up on yesterday. I put up a poll. I was just curious to see um, what people which which movie was their favorite. And Travis, I'm going to ask you this because I've asked all of our guests, and we Andrew and Sam and I have all said which ones are our favorites. And it just so okay. happened to be, and I'll be really curious to see if this is the same with you, is Cameron, who we had on for our, for the fellowship, that was his favorite one. And then mm-hmm. last week, Mark from Digital Dissection, that was his favorite one. So of the three, which is your favorite? Of the, my favorite is fellowship. Okay. It's, it, it, it there's something there's something to the start of this adventure 
that I really, really like. And, and I think part of it is like, I remember specifically where I was when I found out that they were making these movies. Um, I was in my friend's dorm room at Michigan state university in the fall of 2000. And, uh, he had found on some website, you know, Hey, they're, they're going to make the Lord of the Rings into a live action movie. And I was like, what? And there was some pre like behind the scenes footage already. And you were seeing, uh, Uruk high running or, or it was something from uh, that final battle in fellowship and just the effect that had on me. And then seeing that movie in the theater for the first time, everyone, each successive one just kept building on that. But the, that first, that moment uh, of seeing that movie that stuck with me. So it, it is my favorite of the three. Okay. That's cool. Um, uh, so I mentioned that because I put out a poll on, on the Twitter. And asked people what they, which one was their favorite. And of the 54 votes that we, we got, we have coming in at third place is The Return of the King at 16.7%. Uh, the Fellowship of the Ring comes in at 29%. And The Two Towers at 53%. So oh. I, was, uh, I was surprised it was that big of a difference. Yeah. That the two towers was, I mean, that was, but I think the two towers, Sam and I, that's our favorites. Andrew, I can't remember what yep. was yours. Yep. Yeah, it's two towers. Two towers. So it's the three of us too. So uh, maybe maybe the two of you went out and voted six times to skew the numbers. <laughs> I don't know. Um, not that you guys are known to have done that in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was an evil laugh. Uh, I honestly, I didn't even know it was on Twitter. So no, that's fine. I know you guys don't live on Twitter <laughs> like I do. Um, and I am actually having a conversation right now with Jim from Film Rage. He's he's kind of him and some others are kind of complaining about the ending. I want to go on record and say this: Yes, this movie has three endings. Yes, it does mm-hmm. take a long time for the movie to destroy Mordor and then to, or Sauron and then to end. But when we addressed it, I just want to be very clear. Watching it this time, the endings never bother. It didn't bother me this time at all. No, I I think no. it's okay to take a long time to breathe in the movie and just say, "We these are characters that we have now spent a combined what? I mean, legit like twelve hours with. It's yeah. okay to take well, fifteen extra minutes and say, bye. Yeah, we get the ending where the fellowship gets back together for the first time since uh, Moria." Yeah. So, you know, there's that moment. We get the hobbits going back to Hobbiton, and and then we get uh, Frodo leaving the the shores and heading for the Grey Havens, and and kind of ending that and passing the the torch to uh to Sam so he can go home. It could have been worse. The book has more endings. There's yeah. there's more. It's it's even more. So like it could have been longer. Yes, yeah. it's long. There's a lot to end, but you need that in this uh and again like i said earlier it's kind of in the context of of a three movie trilogy it's not just the ending of the return of the king it's the ending of this incredibly epic journey that started you know two movies earlier yeah well yeah just if if you if you turn this cuz again it was filmed as one movie so if you think of this mm-hmm. as one 12 hour movie heck think of it like this think of it as uh, an anthology series this if this was a 10 episode series Mm-hmm. Right then, then the ending would have been its own episode. But you need that episode to figure out what's going to happen with the characters. I yeah. mean, we don't, we yeah. don't know if it, we don't need the thing where 
it says, then Sam would go on and grow up and get married and do the thing, you know? Like, I don't know. I just, I'm uh, I'm getting some grief on Twitter a little bit about it, but like, I think it's okay. It's okay to have this long time to breathe. It's okay, guys. Calm down, Twitter. Jeez. All right. <sighs> Speaking of Twitter. Excuse me while I whip this out. Um, time for our top three. Um. So if you are if you did participate on Twitter, uh, this will be really interesting for you. So our top three category is our top three favorite best picture winners for the Oscars, the Academy Award for Best mm-hmm. Picture. And of all of those movies of the what 58, 60 something version movies that have won Best Picture, what are your favorite three? And therefore I will start with you, Sam. All right. Well, we got to go all the way back to 1922. And no, just kidding. Oh. <laughs> um, I actually, I looked at this thing and, and I had a hard time choosing between whether, whether I was going to do the best picture as in the best made film, the, the, you know, right. the, the, the film that is, is, uh, above all other films or the best pictures that I enjoy the most. Right. And I, I ended up going with the ones that I enjoy the most. And that I could put um, on the screen, or, or I, I could put up and watch it pretty much any time. And uh, my number three is uh, Silence of the Lambs. Okay, love me some Silence of the Lambs. Great, um, <laughs> great work by uh, Angelina Jolie there, and um, love, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Christopher Lee. Don't help um, him, Travis. Don't help him. Um, uh, 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 Florence. Uh, Wishburn, yeah, um, yeah, um, did did real well with those, and um, really enjoy that movie. It's one of the reasons I got into uh, the my psychology degree to begin with. I wanted to be a forensic uh, psychologist. So, is it killing anybody um, else out there, do. or are we just gonna let him go with that? Like, is it bothering anybody else because it's killing me? But uh, he nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> got it. It's perfect. Yep. All right. So that's my number three. Okay. My number two is uh, Forrest Gump. Which um, is one of those that uh, that people complain about winning Best Picture because yeah. um, you know there's some other good ones that year, especially. Um, but uh, Tom Hanks did wonderful in that, and uh, it's it's just so much fun to watch. My number one, the music, the story, the um, uh, Hugh Grant is incredible in Gladiator. <laughs> so. I really enjoy the old sword and sandals epic um, that uh, that that portrays. So there you go. Okay, my my three top three. Sometimes I can't tell if it's a real or not, but it's just fine. You just <laughs> go with it. Oh my god, <laughs> Hugh Grant! <laughs> I Grant, cannot. That's... Could you imagine Hugh Grant in that role? No, no one can. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that's, Did I say name wrong? That's worse than Sean Connery as Gandalf. You know, it's just uh, okay. Uh, Travis. Oh well, uh, I had the same kind of kind of thing. Like, am I going to go for the best film that won Best Picture, or am I going to go for what I enjoyed the most? Because it's not necessarily the same thing. Um, and uh, for me, my number three is actually Gladiator. Um, I adore that movie. I'm a, I'm, I'm a unabashed Ridley Scott fan. Uh, that movie just, I just love every moment in it. Um, it's super, super good. It was tough with some of these other ones. I mean, 
things like Unforgiven. Uh, Schindler's List is a tough movie to watch. Yeah. But it's so good. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's the, one of those you have to watch at least once. It, yes. You have to. It is. Mm-hmm. It's still on your list of shame, right? John? No, I've seen. I, no, I watched oh, it. It's, it's, okay. it's on my list of shame. Oh, Andrew's list of shame. Yeah. I knew it was on one of ours, but yeah. Um, you know, there's things like The Departed, uh, this movie, Return of the King. Um, but for me, number two was No Country for Old Men. Uh, oh, yeah. That was. It's it's a downer of a movie, but for yeah. some reason, I can't help but enjoy it. Um. And, and honestly, and this is a weird, like the, this is a, a new thing for me. Cause I only just saw this movie recently. And so there might be a little bit of recency bias going on with this one. But, uh, for me, one of the most enjoyable movies I've watched recently is the apartment from 1960 with Jack Lemmon. And, oh. uh, mm-hmm. that movie surprised me. It went in places that I didn't expect it to go. And it, uh, for a movie made in 1960, tackled subjects that I wasn't anticipating, and it's so amazingly well done. Um, so, it, and Billy Wild- you know, Wilder directed that one. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I uh, he wrote and directed it, and it's just I, I can't say enough good things about it. I saw Sunset Boulevard last year for the first time, which is another Billy Wilder movie that just blew me away. But the apartment. I don't know. I can't put my finger on exactly what it is about the apartment that made that that affected me the way that it did. But it's great. Now, you know, you ask me this again in a month, my my top three might change a little bit. Um, <laughs> but right now, yeah, it's a, it's a gladiator, no country for old men, and then the apartment. Awesome. Cool. All right. Um, I go next because that's the way the things go. Okay. Um, my number three, uh, I, I love Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump is great. So, but it's not in my top three. Um, I don't really know why. I mean, um, honestly, we got to say Shawshank should have won. Shawshank should have won. And I've had arguments with people about Dan, about Forrest Gump for some reason, because it's such a dumb argument, but basically this woman was making the point that she says that every man thinks Forrest Gump is the greatest film ever made. And I said, not only is it not, but it shouldn't have even won that year. Yeah. Um, right. It's not the best picture made in that year. I mean, yeah. Shawshank and Pulp Fiction. Both. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, both. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was yeah. ahead of that. And yeah. I'm guessing it, what happened is the voters split. Ended up splitting oh, sure. between the three movies and Forrest Gump just had I, that much I more. think maybe Forrest Gump feel, feels like a bigger story and it was doing technological things that we hadn't seen, like making Richard Nixon, you know, talk again, like things like that. So it, yeah. for the, for what it was, it was kind of groundbreaking mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, maybe that was part of it. And just Tom Hanks is great, but. You know, and they it, took Gary Zanise's legs. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, they, yeah. They, took, they cut him off and then. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got their legs. Just like the uh, like the uh, space shuttle. Uh, all right, so my number three is the Hurt Locker. I oh, uh, I remember watching this after it won and just being floored at how good it was. And um, I think half that cast would eventually become MCU guys anyway, which is kind of fun. Uh, my number two, kind of a strange pick, but this is a movie that I've seen probably. 10 times because this was a favorite of my mom's and mom kind of ran the TV in our house for a long time. So 
<laughs> I've I've seen this movie a bunch, and that's Dances with Wolves. Oh, I can't watch mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I can watch it up until they're, they're being driven away. Just the whole. It's sad. Not only does this, it, yeah, his his dog dies, and then yeah. the horse dies. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like mm-hmm. I, I can't stand it. This, There's a lot of sadness. I, I refuse to watch movies where the dog dies. Yeah. I just refuse. No, I get that. I get that. Uh, I know other people like that. Um, I just it's so it's so it's such a great story. It's so well made. And, you know, Kevin Costner just, he, he killed it uh, on that one. Uh, and then my number one's Gladiator. I love Gladiator. It's so good. The Hans Zimmer, and the, the swords, Russell Crowe as the lead actor, not whatever the hell Sam said. It's just such a good movie. I love it so much. Oh, I guess it was. It yeah. wasn't Hugh Grant. No, it wasn't, wasn't Hugh Grant. But okay. you're pretty close. close. They're, they're both they're, white dudes from another country. They're both English. Yeah. Is Russell Crowe English? No. Oh, sad. He's, is he like Australian? He's got an accent. Technically, he's a Kiwi, but he was raised in Australia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah see, so. don't get Sam started on accents and where people are from because, according to <laughs> Sam, Catherine Zeta Jones is Mexican. So, yeah. She is. I don't. I, <laughs> like I don't understand why yeah. you guys can't just accept the fact that that. She is from, from, the, from Central that, America. Yeah, that Central American country called Wales. Wales, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a thing. I mean, you know, it's been a thing since we did. Uh, did we, like, didn't we do the Mask of Zorro or something? And when she was in it, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is, is that Sam's wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, Andrew. All right. Um, I'm gonna start us off with. Uh, Little Shakespeare in Love. That's such a good oh, movie. That's number three. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good one. We reviewed and it. And I didn't also. didn't know of it until we reviewed it. I mean, I knew of it as. Yeah, I didn't it. know it was a Best Picture winner, and I also didn't know that Dame Judi Dench won Best Supporting Actress for seven minutes of screen time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, number two, I have The Godfather. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that was that was close to making my list too. There was so yeah. my numbers four through I think I've seen I looked at it, I'd seen like twenty seven best picture winners. My numbers four through like twenty were sort of all clumped together. Right. Yeah. It's like ah oh. it's like trying to cut off a, a, a like a finger. Yeah. <laughs> well just have Gollum uh, bite it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. And number one for me, uh it was tough because I really wanted to say Amadeus just because I'm a mm. music guy and Amadeus is a good movie. Um, but there's one that I like better and a lot of people probably don't like this, but it's the King's speech. I love oh, the that's King's speech. So oh, yeah. so it's oh, that's so good. It's such a great a movie. It's, yeah. it's, yeah, so well it's written. one of, it's so well written. Uh, I think Colin Firth is brilliant in that mm-hmm. movie. And yes, then when absolutely. he goes and kills a bunch of people in that church, it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, the, I can honestly, do it too, King's, Sam. The, the King's speech was in that, that same, like the King's speech, Amadeus, Rocky, Unforgiven, Schindler's yeah. List. Those all like clump right together where it's like, I, I, I want to put them all in my top three. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they have three slots and it's horrible because they're yeah. just so good. <laughs> 
Sorry to make life so hard on you, Travis. It's tough. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, all right. Twitter. Boy, Twitter, you guys are all over it tonight. So I will blame myself for this. This is what I did. I said, um, can you help us? Let us know your top three movies, and we'll shout it out on the show. And then underneath that, I wrote top three category or top three Favorite best picture winners. So I think what happened is people read, let us know your top three movies. We'll shout you out on the show and then stopped reading. Yeah. So our dear friend, listener, um, buyer of merchandise, uh, she messages me (laughs) often on Twitter to let me know about, you know, what I said wrong. And she also (laughs) sent me a picture of her and Carl Urban letting me know that we couldn't remember Carl Urban's name, um, <laughs> but there's a picture of her and him together. Uh, Rosie, again, you're the best, but your three were Goonies, The Princess Bride, and While You Were Sleeping, which two of those movies will be reviewed before the end of the summer. We've already oh. done While You Were Sleeping. The Princess Bride is on the list. Good. Uh, it's been requested by a guest upcoming uh cameron from the green shirt podcast a newbie's trek through tng says return of the king the apartment and casablanca good choices yeah thanks cam um here's someone new to our our list here anime show show shin uh they are at anime show shin pod gladiator rocky and unforgiven uh, Jesse from the Sudden But Inevitable podcast says, No Country for Old Men, The Departed, and Amadeus. Uh, I scream, I screen, you scream for movies. That's at I-S-U-S-4-M, uh, which I'm doing something with him later this month. Nice. Ooh, um, saucy. He says um, his top three anticipated films is The Batman, Sonic 2, and Top Gun Maverick. I love how this is just going everywhere. <laughs> Eric from the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast, who's on with us next week, says Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Empire Strikes Back, and Back to the Future. And somebody <laughs> voted with them saying this, you know, the this uh, gif. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, ballpark underscore Frank says The Sting... Silence of the Lambs, and Ben-Hur. And then he said, the best which should have won is The Adventures of Robin Hood. Okay. Yeah. And then our good friend V from Life Paranormal with V, she just sent me a gif of the potatoes. So, (laughs) oh no, it says pote-owned. Nice. It says pote-owned. Okay. Nice. Uh, and then lastly, uh, the Wheel of Horror podcast at Wheel Ho- of Horror Wheel, excuse me. Uh, they gave me Underworld, The Matrix, and The Revenge of the Sith. To which I then said, did any of those win Best Picture? And they said, the Justin Best Picture. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you all for participating. That was lovely. I do appreciate it. I blame it. Sean. It is my fault. It is 100%. I do. See, see I, I took your tweet and I retweeted it and and put right up front your top three best picture winners. And I got one response. Oh, yeah, good. Which Please. is from uh, Phil Rude, 
who said, Unforgiven is number one, hands down. After that, almost anything that won in the 70s can fight for my second and third spots. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Great. All right. Well, again, thank you, Twitter, for that. And again, it is my fault, not yours. Um, Shoot the Flick did say Return of the King is great until ending three, and that's where we kind of got into a thing there. Um, but that's fine. Okay. Time for this. Wait, what's supposed to happen? This is where we give this movie a score from zero to ten, and we would do that now. And uh, uh, Andrew goes first. Well, I, I have to say that this is, uh, you know, like I said, a, a great conclusion to the trilogy. But the movie itself, if I'm looking at it just by itself, I don't think I can score it as high as, as the last one. So I'm going to say, uh, I'm still going to give it a nice score, though. I'm going to give it a good 8.95. That's exactly what you gave um, The Fellowship of the Ring, just for you, just so you know. It, that's okay. Okay. They can tie. That's fine. Just letting you know. Travis. Uh, I'm getting uh, this one is a 9 out of 10. Okay. Um, it's just fantastic. Uh, it's hard for me to say anything is a 10 out of 10, although the, if I was to combine all three movies, it would be a 10 out of 10. That's oh, fair. yeah. Um, that's yeah. fair. Easily. Yeah. Sam. Uh, 9.08 out of 10. <laughs> all right. I it's, like it. It's beautiful. It's yeah. a perfect Perfect. Almost perfect movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we sit here at two hours into the recording, um, I, I feel kind of weird that we didn't mention anything about the Ghosts Army and how awesome that was. And, you know, anything about there was the trope of the guy says, you know, you and what army? And Aragorn says this army. And then a thousand ghosts come in and killed all the guys. That was really awesome. Um, oh, yeah. Or, you know, just how awesome... We would literally be sitting here all night if we were going to talk about every cool component of this movie. I know, you're right, and and you're right. And I didn't really want to do that. I I, I do kind of like sometimes when we just organically talk about good and the bad and the whatever. Because I don't really think, honestly, the only thing that the... We didn't really nitpick this movie at all. Um, You know, I mean... I I had the nitpick about I Am No Man. Yeah, um, that's true, yeah. And that's... A little bit. And and I will say... um, Stuart guy, he was on the verge of overacting in a few spots. Like he was so close to being over yeah, the but top. It, didn't, it never bothered me because I felt like he was on the verge of losing his sanity at any moment. So I felt like that yeah. was okay if he overacted a little bit. If you gave us, because I mean, mostly he's like subtly angry acting. Like yeah. Time, and, so. and there is like, uh, um, some undertones of, and they don't really explore it at all. Uh, where he might have a plant here. And so how much of his actions are influenced by Sauron and Sauron and Sauron. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. and kind of poisoning, poisoning him a little bit in that way. So like, I, I get what you're saying. He does, he does get the, get right to the edge. He kind of steps up to the line, but he never, he never goes across. No, no he never goes no. over yeah, until he's on fire. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then um, he runs. He runs two football fields and then he, he ran off. a long way. There were plenty of places he could have jumped off, but anyway. Nope, uh, he's going to all the way to the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the bridge to get to the place where they do the burying is again a bridge with no railings. He could have jumped off there, but it wasn't nearly <laughs> as cinematically pretty. Uh, okay. 
Um, I gave Fellowship a 9. I gave Two Towers a 9.5. I'm going to give this, right in the middle of both, a 9.25, a 9.25, not a 2.25. 9.25. Because I like this one a little bit better than Fellowship, I think. But they're all great. They're all great. I mean, they're just great films. They're, they're amazing. I'm so glad we did this, you know, um, on the anniversary of the Fellowship. 20 years ago. These movies are 20 years old, guys. I mean, and they just hold up. I mean, Andy Serkis in this movie is so good. We didn't really get a chance to talk much about Gollum and his, you know, going mad portrayal and all that stuff and how awesome Shelob was and the fact that Peter Jackson is scared of spiders and so therefore he designed Shelob to look like all of the scary things that spiders are to him. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I do not like spiders, and and so that's a tough scene for me to watch. Sure, uh, I, I'm with Peter Jackson on that, but it's oh, so amazingly done. My Such wife, a great. Yeah, she just buries her head in her in the in a blanket. She couldn't see it. She can't do it. She basically says, "Just let me know when she's off off the screen." So she has never seen Sam kill or not kill, but wound Shelob. She's never seen any of that scene because she <laughs> can't do it. Just can't do it. It'll just, it'll give her nightmares for weeks. So uh, that gives us a round score of nine point zero seven. So giving the the series uh, fellowship at a nine point two three five, two towers at a nine point two five, and this movie a nine point zero seven. So Cameron kind of skewed the 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 thing a bit when he gave uh, gave it a fellowship a ten. But that's okay. Um, and those three movies now will move directly into spots, I think, like three, four, and five of our movies that we've done for the podcast. And I think that is very much okay. Um, Travis, please tell our listeners where we can find more of you. And please, please, please tell our listeners how they can find the episode that the three of us are going to be on. Because we're going to be yes. on an episode of yours. Yeah, so um, you can find me. I'm on Twitter at TV's Travis, TVS Travis, and also TVstravis.com is where you can find my show, Wait You Haven't Seen, which is where I have guests on, and we watch a movie at least one of us has never seen before. And the three of you are coming on this weekend. We're going to be recording. We're all – I none of you have seen it yet. Nobody? Correct. Nobody. None of us have seen it. Yeah, that. so, so it's, it's not only the newest movie – uh, re- by release date that I've covered on the show. Um, but it's also one where all four of us are seeing it for the first time. Uh, and I'm excited. That's so cool. that's going to be fun. So that is going to be live streaming Sunday night at twitch.tv slash Travis 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then it will be out as a podcast a couple of days later at tvstravis.com. And you can get those anywhere you get podcasts. So um, I do that show. I do a show on uh, Highlander with a friend of mine, Audie. We go through episode by episode of Highlander the series. Um, we're in the middle of season four now, and we have a ton of fun with that too. So, and I'm also on a horror movie podcast now called Gore. Um, oh yeah, we, with um, we do uh, um, yeah with uh, with Monica yeah um, Monica Stone who was uh, in season one of ANTP and a couple of our friends. We talk about horror movies every week. I've watched some. Whew, I've watched some bad stuff. Let me tell you, yeah, some really bad stuff. But I also got to watch The Conjuring finally. Oh uh, yeah, we I did that. Seen. Holy that. crap, is that good? Yeah, that movie. Those those first two Conjuring movies are fantastic. Yeah, we did uh-huh. those two recently. Um, those are those are really good. 
Um, yeah. So uh, I'm going to wrap this up here. I think we lost Sam for, for the night, um, which is fine. But um, <laughs> you, you said uh, four letters that people on my show don't know what means. A-N-T-P. Please tell people what that means. So ANTP is America's Next Top Podcaster, and it is a podcasting competition uh, show in the vein of a um, the uh, not the Voice, but like uh, 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 basically we get. Um, I was on season two. There's 12 contestants, and every week is a new challenge, and uh, you have to come up with a on the spot kind of podcasts. Um, it is they are starting recording of the fourth season soon um and it is an amazing uh an amazing experience and also just really cool to see podcasters who who maybe are just starting out some people that have been doing it for several years there's great coaching involved in it it's put on by brian ibbett from the morning stream scott johnson from the morning stream is a is a um a judge along with jenny josephson and justin robert young uh, Hammond Chamberlain, who does all the production behind the scenes, everybody involved in it is awesome. And it was honestly doing that competition uh, is what's still got me podcasting right now. Like that was that opened up so much for me and just kept me kept the 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 joy of doing this. It was hard. It was not an easy thing to do, um, but it made me a better podcaster. And you can get that at America's Next Top Podcaster dot com. Uh, there's three seasons worth to go through, and season four will be starting up soon. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, thanks for that that little promo there, which lo- allows me to simply say I am going to be a contestant on season four. Well, look at that. How about that's, that? that's awesome. awesome. So, uh, <laughs> Travis, you said, "Hey, you should try out." I said, "No," and you said, "Yes," and so I said, "Fine," and <laughs> here I am. So I am going to be one of the contestants on season four. I am terrified. Uh, I don't want Justin Robert Young to yell at me, but it's going to happen at some point. So anyway, um, he's going to yell at you. Somebody's going to get salty for getting kicked off the show, and it's just the way that it goes. But honestly, it's it is an amazing experience. You're going to have a great time. It's going to be stressful as all hell, and and it's not easy. Although I have talked to a few people, they are trying to help kind of cushion the landing a little bit of like starting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've but I've read the rules for for this season. It's a little different, um, but that's fine. Um, anyway, that's that. So I, I I'm I wanted to did, you, to. did you not have to sign a non disclosure? I, I well, kind of yes, but I, I'm I'm actually past <laughs> past that point. I'm allowed to talk about it now. Um, okay. Yeah, I am allowed. I was actually allowed to talk about it uh, about three days ago, but I wanted to wait until this episode so that I could share with you, Travis, and um, others. So. Yes, that's happening. So that also means is that I'm still going to find time to do this show. I just don't know how. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, that all being said, it's time to go. This show is uh, now has 16 endings, just like the movie, and uh, and that's okay. Travis, thank you so much for for participating and being on the, the podcast again. Um, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I did too. Thank you for thank you so much for having me. Uh, apparently, it's my thing to come on here and do like two hour plus podcasts. So. Well, all the other <laughs> I'm two, two for two. Yeah, the other two that we did in this in this series were also two hour plus episodes. They have to be. These there's so much to talk about on these movies. Yeah. We have yeah. to just take our time and do it. And so 
if people don't like that, that's fine. Uh, we'll 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 go from there. Next week, I'm sure will be, I don't know, shorter, longer. I have no idea. So, uh, on behalf of Andrew, Travis, and Sam, this is Sean saying thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for the music of Howard Shore. Reviews.